So that one's interesting. When a question improperly asks a witness, a layperson, to reach a legal conclusion, which is a job reserved for the judge and the jury, you fucked up. You can't do that. You can't ask Johnny Depp to testify to a legal conclusion. Now, you could argue he was just asking him if he merely had sued her or was involved in a lawsuit. And that's probably the proper way the question should have been asked, at least the first time. But this is why I look at Amber Heard's attorney and I'm sitting here thinking to myself like, yo, like, what are you doing, guy? Like, is this your first rodeo? Like, what's up? Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is the higher standard, and I am once again your host, Chris. And if you're like me, you have been captivated by the nonsensical bullshit that's going on in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. And I found myself in so many discussions with people trying to clarify some of the legal stuff that's been going on that I thought it might be a valuable thing for this show that we talk about what to do and what not to do if you're ever sued and you ever actually make it to court. Most people don't make it into the courtroom. Stuff dies well before or during discovery. But if you actually make it there and you're fighting a lawsuit, whatever, if it's defamation like this or anything else, this particular case, which is playing out in front of all of our eyes, is a classic case of some dumb ass shit you just do not want to do. And I don't know if it's the attorneys aren't good. I certainly don't think that Amber Heard's attorney is good by, by what I've seen thus far. But what I will tell you is is there's a lot of learning experiences in this and we can break it down. This show is about entrepreneurship. If you're an entrepreneur, you're probably going to get sued at some point. It's just kind of part of the game. And being an attorney, I can give you some quick legal things to think about. Now, here's the asterisk, okay? I am not your attorney. You should go seek somebody for your own particular case. And again, like I said in the intro, this is entertainment purposes only. So I'm going to jump into the first clip. It's about a minute long. And we're not going to talk a lot about clips from the actual courtroom. But if you haven't actually seen this and you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't need to. I'm going to play everything you need to know right now in a very, very compressed way. In a normal 20-minute educational show, you're going to hear everything you need to know about this and more. And then learn how to not fuck things up this bad. Okay, so jumping into it, this is Johnny Depp on the stand being cross-examined, yes, yeah, yeah, sorry, being cross-examined by Amber Heard's attorney. So I'm just going to hit play, and then we're going to talk about what you hear. You dipped your finger in paint after suffering an injury. 
Yes. Yes uh, that, or no? Yes, that was after I'd, um, after writing on the walls, the uh, blood had kind of dried, as it were, and, or, and so I uh, stuck my finger into a can of paint and also, <clears throat> excuse me, mineral spirits to, um, to put my verbal messages onto the wall. You'd agree with me that there was quite a bit of damage to the house in Australia after this incident, correct? Um, there was, there was quite a bit of damage to the house uh, during the um, the entire incident. Yes. And you don't remember the television breaking, do you? I remember there was a, I believe there was a coffee cup stuck into the screen or a plate or something like that. It's. Okay, so we're going to stop that right there and say, what in the actual fuck? Who prepared Johnny Depp for trial? Depositions, litigation, whatever you're in, you say yes, you say no, and you say, I do not recall. Should there be any primary or, or any answers that are required in, in more you know, elaboration? You slow down, you think, you pause, you don't offer up all this extra commentary all that does is feed into more questions this man is literally adding did you do this yes that's all you got to say and i know how crazy it sounds the man's got half his or part of the fingertip cut off and he's dipping it in paint and mineral spirits and there's a lot of alcoholism and there's a lot of abuse going on in this relationship and i don't know who's guilty and who's not guilty this is a defamation suit but what i will tell you is this is just weird it gets weirder as you get as you go towards deeper into the facts but what what's strange here is why johnny depp's attorney hadn't done something to tell him to stop elaborating so once again you get into a courtroom setting your standard answers should be yes no, or I do not recall if you legitimately do not recall, and you should be honest about those answers. Your attorney's job to, is to rehabilitate, rehabilitate you in any way if a, que a question was asked of you in which it looks bad or may not actually serve the purpose of the question your attorney will clarify those things but for you to sit there and elaborate was there a substantial amount of damage yes there was a substantial amount of damage why do you have to explain that there was a plate or a cup or something in the tv wow bro i mean how violent did it get you've now given the, the, uh, this picture of information you did not need to give all right let's jump into my next clip this one's real short but it is an example of some more shenanigans how many other franchise films had you been a part of? Um, boy, um, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, I'm so pathetic when it comes to knowing what movies I've done. I'm sorry. I, I just, <laughs> I don't watch them. I couldn't, I, I mean, uh, what was the question again? Uh, how many, how I have many order in the friends? court or I will have you removed. All right. So I've been getting a lot of questions about this and it's surprising to me how many people don't know about some of the basics, uh, as it pertains to just courtroom behavior and some of the, I guess, formalities of the courtroom, the judge requested order in the court, or she will have the members of the viewing audience removed from the court. 
court hearings are generally open to the public. You can actually go and see them if you would like to, which is a whole thing to ask yourself why you'd want to. But in situations like this where it's a you know celebrity or you might have some interest in going, you can actually go and view as, as an audience member. The courtroom is a formal setting and you are, you, your conduct should be polite and respectful to the judges and the parties and their lawyers and everybody in the courtroom staff. But you can't disrupt or interfere with a hearing. Laughing it, it is a, considered to be interference and disrespectful. So the judge is totally within her purview to say, hey, you guys are here watching, but you have you know, no absolute need to be here. This is strictly uh, you know, a, a favor the court is granting you. And it's actually somewhat shocking that in a case as high profile as this, the judge hasn't limited things like, for example, television exposure and uh, people in the courtroom. She did say that she was going to stop people from requesting selfies and taking photos in the courtroom because she felt that it was disrespectful. But really interesting that they let the general public into this because there's been a lot of this type of thing happening where people are laughing at how fucking bizarre some of the stuff that you're going to hear uh, is. So jumping into clip three, this is where the meat of the questions that I've been getting uh, really come from. It's about hearsay. It's about objections. And don't worry, I'm not getting into all sorts of technical shit. But you're going to hear a lot of this, and it's going to get really, really bizarre. So I'm going to play this third clip, and then I'm going to give you a breakdown of what this really means, because this question has been coming up a whole lot. And unless you took a whole lot of federal civil procedure or you're a litigator, I wouldn't expect you to know this. And if you do know this, I, I am so sorry. Moved. Sean Bailey was quoted as, as, as saying that... Objection I, hearsay. Mr. Depp, where was Sean Bailey quoted without getting into what he was quoted as saying? I don't know who did the interview with him. Objection, lack of foundation. <laughs> so at the end, you hear Johnny Depp getting visibly pissed off at these objections. So objections really come down to a couple different rules and a couple different things. But hearsay is an out-of-court statement offered in court to prove the truth of the matter asserted. A hearsay objection, like the one that Amber Heard's attorney, the male voice, made, is made when a witness relates the actual content of an out-of-court communication. Uh, if you didn't hear that person say that, you can't say, I was told, or you know, that third-party information. Now, there are exceptions to hearsay. When a witness testimony is based on hearsay, uh, you know, for example, having read a document or heard other, others recite facts, the proper objection is the witness lacks personal knowledge or that it is hearsay, like you heard the first objection, because he was saying, ah, this article that this doctor wrote. Certain things are specifically not considered hearsay, and there are rules, but I'm not going to get into them. Uh, and there's also objections, obviously, uh, for the exceptions to hearsay, which, which might be that as well. So after an objection, opposing counsel can state why the statement is actually not barred under the hearsay rules or should, be, uh, or should not be an objection. The most common objections uh, outside of hearsay are, you know, vague and ambiguous questions that are unintelligible. I mean, what the hell are they asking? An argumentative question when an attorney's arguing with somebody. Um, asked and answered, which you will hear. You can't just keep asking somebody a question over and over again, and I'll explain why later on. Assumes in facts, not in evidence. You can't ask someone to assume things, assume things that you haven't proved, right? That just, that's just too speculative, which leads me to the next one, calls for speculation. It's a very common objection. You can't ask somebody to just speculate on hypotheticals. You can't do leading questions like, you were there, weren't you? I mean, it, it's leading. You can't ask them that way. Calling for a narrative, asking for these long ass answers. You can't do that. And that's why you really should answer with yes, no, or maybe in the event that you ever get into a litigation set of circumstances 
And then obviously there's also misstating the evidence. You can't change the facts in evidence to get someone to answer questions. Those are the, probably the most common uh, objections that you get in the courtroom, but you're going to hear a whole lot of them, including lacking of foundation. So Amber Heard's attorney will try to, to knock this stuff out by using the lack of foundation objection, basically meaning that you have asked a question of the witness before establishing a fact that must be established before his, his or her answer becomes admissible evidence. It is a fatal objection only if the foundation can never be laid, meaning if you can't prove what you're asking this person on this question, then you lack foundation and it doesn't work. And I'm going to give you a classic example coming up. Here is my fourth clip. And this is where the objections really start to mount up and things start getting a little bizarre. It's a short one, so bear with me. Exhibit 804 be moved into evidence and published. Any objection? I think it's outside the scope. The next day I went to see a specialist, a, a hand surgeon, and this was still in Australia. And he had recognized that my excuse for the finger being gone. Objection, Your Honor. Hearsay. What the doctor conveyed to him, that's classic hearsay. So obviously this going back and forth during the trial is getting really, really frustrating for all parties. The judge, the attorneys, the witnesses, the plaintiff, uh, the defendant, everyone's getting frustrated. If you're a good attorney, you should expect that there's going to be some of this in litigation. It's inevitable to some degree, but there shouldn't be as much as what's going on here. I mean, this is bizarre to say the least. So what I will say is that for example, relevance, right? Or outside the scope, these types of objections, you can object to the relevance of evidence if you think that a piece of evidence or something a witness is saying has nothing to do with the case or is not important in determining who should win or shouldn't win in court. Another great example of this, not based on the case, is asking how many sexual partners somebody had that wouldn't be relevant in a protection order case. You'd be surprised how many really angry plaintiffs want to sue their ex-wife or their ex-girlfriend about something completely irrelevant and then try to go to court and say, how many sexual partners have you had? Because they just want answers and someone's under oath. You can't do that. It lacks relevance. And, and there's all sorts of bizarre shit that can, that can happen as a result of it. So people obviously are barred from doing that. So I'm going to play the meat of what happens next in a very, very long series of clips where a lot of this starts getting really, really, really obvious. And for those of you who hit me up and wanted to know what some of these things are and why this shit's so bizarre, now's your chance. I've given you all that background and given you those four short clips to set you up for this one. Okay, let's jump into this one. There are lots of objections in it and lots of stuff to talk about. When Amber made abuse accusations against you in May 2016, fair to say it got a lot of press attention, right? Objection calls for speculation. All right, I'll sustain the objection. Next question. When Amber made abuse accusations against you in May 2016, you became aware that it got a lot of press attention, correct? Very quickly, I became aware. And she became associated with those abuse accusations that she made against you in May 2016, correct? To your knowledge. Objection calls for speculation. I'll sustain the objection. Next question. You, you became associated with those domestic abuse accusations that she made against you, correct? I think that's clear. And, yes. you, understood that she, and you understood that she became associated with those same accusations that she made, correct? You've testified to that. Well, 
she had a choice, I didn't. And you've talked about the immediate impact that those accusations on May 27th, 2016 allegedly had on your career, correct? Yes. You testified. So speculation. We talked about that earlier, right? The speculation objection can be used in two different scenarios. First, if a witness does not know a fact to be true, but testifies about it anyway, this testimony would be objectionable as speculation. Okay. You can't just testify to shit you don't know. A witness must have personal knowledge of a fact to testify about that fact and put it forward to the court record. Second, if a question that is posed can only be answered by using speculation, that question would be objectionable. You can object to it. So asking him to conclude things on shit that he does not know is completely inappropriate. And then the attorney quickly rephrases it not once, but twice again to try to get the same answer out of Johnny Depp. This is a case where an attorney who's trying to think on the fly is not doing that great of a job. And if you're ever caught in this scenario, you have to remember, be patient. It is your attorney's job to object. And about halfway through the trial, I'm not playing all that, all, all, the, all the, the court case, obviously, but about halfway through the trial, Johnny Depp figured this out and he would actually look at his attorney and look at the other attorney and he would wait for people to object on things that he knew were wrong. But it's shocking to me that he got this far into the trial before he figured out just answer yes, like he did right there. Let's keep playing this clip. There's another one which I want to talk about because this is fascinating to me as well. And Amber made those accusations in 2016. You said you lost, quote, nothing less than everything, correct? That is correct, sir. But you didn't try to get the restraining order lifted in 2016, did you? I, I, I don't... If she wanted a restraining order. It's a yes or no question. You didn't try to get the restraining order. No, why would I? And you didn't have a divorce trial where you could respond to Amber's accusations of abuse in 2016, did you? Objection calls for a legal conclusion. I'm asking him if he had a trial. That's a fact. You didn't have a divorce trial where you could respond to Amber's accusations of abuse, did you? So that one's interesting. When a question improperly asks a witness, a layperson, to reach a legal conclusion which is a job reserved for the judge and the jury, you fucked up. You can't do that. You can't ask Johnny Depp to testify to a legal conclusion. Now, you could argue he was just asking him if he merely had sued her or was involved in a lawsuit, and that's probably the proper way the question should have been asked, at least the first time. But this is why I look at Amber Heard's attorney, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, yo, like, what are you doing, guy? Like, is this your first rodeo? Like, what's up? So for those of you who asked me, you know, Chris, like, why is this happening so frequently? I would tell you there's a lot of anger between the two attorneys. These are two people who clearly have a different perspective. I think Johnny Depp's attorney seems to be very professional. She seems to handle this stuff with dignity and grace. And this attorney seems to have a bit of a personal, angry vendetta. He could be a very litigator mindset. A lot of these litigators are, are uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this the nice way, are considered to be kind of aggressive personalities. And maybe he's just getting really visceral and into it. But it really doesn't paint a good picture for the jury and the judge when you have to keep rephrasing questions like this because you are not articulating yourself in a way uh, that somebody who's been to court several times would. So even in the deposition where you're not in front of a judge and a jury, you're just asking questions usually on video, these same rules apply. These same things happen to you. So if you get early on into litigation and you go through deposition as part of your discovery process or before or just after it, let me tell you right now, these same rules apply. You need to know this. As a small business owner, this kind of stuff happens to you. 
you need to answer yes, no, I do not recall to the extent that you can. And you need to pause and wait for your attorney, who should be a good attorney, to do that for you and to frame how this moves forward. Now, the next part of this, I got asked a lot of questions on because there was a lot of repetitive questions. And I'm going to explain why you can't continue to ask the same questions in court over and over again. As bizarre as this shit is, it actually happened in front of national media that were watching this. Here we go. No, there were no charges pressed against you. Me. Chose she didn't not tell to the police that I had done anything. She didn't mention my name. And, and you didn't you didn't have a California divorce judge decide these facts, did you? Objection has been answered. Oh, you chose, objection. You chose not to try to clear your name at that time through any sort of legal proceeding, correct? Objection asked and answered. I'll sustain the objection. And you chose to sign a divorce agreement in which you stated that Amber had not made any false statements about you for financial gain. We looked at that, correct? Objection. Asked and answered. Asked and answered. I'll sustain the objection. Next question. In fact, you waited until Amber wrote the op-ed in the Washington Post in December of 2018 to file a lawsuit against her, correct? That is correct. Can you- so... I should have probably started with this, but sustained means keeping the objection alive, meaning that the person who made the objection is right, overruled, or allowing it to be in would say, hey, the objection is not right. This question was fair. You've heard the word sustained a lot because all of these objections are accurate. So asked and answered. Sometimes during cross-examination, the person asking the questions might ask the same question over and over again like you just heard perhaps in slightly different ways or re-ask a question that he, she asked earlier in the testimony. What's unique about this objection is that it could come up in two different scenarios that you really need to be observant of and aware of if you're on the stand or you're the attorney. First, opposing counsel could repeatedly ask you or your witness the same question, hoping that contradicting answers will eventually be given. Can I make this person contradict themselves, right? Second, opposing counsel could repeatedly ask his or her own client the same question in slightly different ways, hoping that the client will give a better answer than the one given before, or that they might understand that I'm trying to prompt you to answer a certain way. Either way, a question can only be asked once, and if it has been answered, any further attempts to ask that question are objectionable, and you will hear asked and answered. You just heard it there three times. You can't fucking ask the same question three different ways, bro. You already got your answer. You need to move on. And the fact that he keeps trying to, you know, peck away at this is got to be infuriating for Johnny Depp on the stand. It's got to be infuriating for the judge and definitely for his counsel. You're wasting time, guy. So I'm going to keep playing. The relevance thing comes up again and then compound questions come up again. Remember when I said yes or no, and you can't have these narratives, calls for a narrative, long objectionable statements that you know people just say, hey, I'm gonna give you this huge story. You can't do that. These are meant to be pointed, clear and concise questions. Let's get into it and let's hear what those objections are. Pull up plaintiff's exhibit two, please. It was the only time that I was able to speak and use my own voice. You chose not to sue the Washington Post in this lawsuit, correct? Two, two seconds. Objection, relevance. Asked and answered? It's not been asked and answered. It hasn't been asked and answered, but I'm not sure what the relevance is. You chose to sue only Miss Heard and not the newspaper that published this article, correct? Objection, compound. All right, I'll sustain as to compound. You chose not to sue the Washington Post, correct? Objection, relevance. I'll sustain the objection. Okay. You only sued the author of this article, Amber Heard, correct? Which 
seemed she was the one making the statements. Yes, I had the opportunity to fight back. Okay. We've run over the relevance thing once before, so I won't get back into that again, but the compound question thing is big. A compound question is when two or more questions are combined as one question, right? A big one. Compound questions are not allowed because they can confuse the witness, the judge, the jury, everybody in the courtroom, and that's the point. You have clear, concise questions like I told you just a couple minutes ago. Also, it may not be clear for the court record or recorder which one of these questions the witness is answering. So you got people that are literally taking notes on everything you're saying. There's cameras, obviously, but that actual transcript of records from the courtroom really matters, and that's what you need to be cognizant of. So the questions should be precise. If an attorney finds himself asking a compound question, they typically don't get flustered with the other party's objection and skip the issue entirely. Not like this guy, Amber Heard's attorney, who just keeps asking the same question in different ways until he gets it right. A sign of really bad, I don't know, litigation on my mind. I don't want to say he's a bad litigator. He probably has a great resume. I haven't looked him up, but I got to tell you, I'm sitting here scratching my head saying like, look, this is undoctored audio that I'm playing for you. In literally three minutes and 27 seconds that we've heard so far, this is how many objections you've seen. And the objections have been rampant the entire time. This shit is not normal, not to this degree. An experienced litigator would just separate out the questions and ask them one at a time, and then they usually are then allowed. And a really, really good litigator will have these questions aligned in front of them to try to drive the witness into a certain direction, right? They want you to sound guilty for X, Y, and Z. So they're going to ask you questions that they think with the evidence lines you up with those conclusions. And if you say something that throws them for a loop, they may be able to think ad hoc. This attorney, I don't know if he's going down a path he didn't plan on or what the hell it is, but clearly the questions were not prepared and laid out in front of him in advance and he's doing it on the fly and it's not looking very good. So this video ends in just about one more minute, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain a couple different details uh, at the very end of it, and I'm going to hit you with some crazy-ass shit before I say goodbye. This is published Exhibit 2, Your Honor. All right. Exhibit 2 is already in evidence. So we'll... Mr. Depp, you realize that the only job for this jury to decide... Yes, sir. ...its only job is to determine whether this op-ed... And this op-ed alone is defamatory. Objection calls for a legal conclusion. I'll sustain the objection. This is the only writing that you are, that's the subject of this lawsuit that you brought, correct? Same objection. It's fact, Your Honor. He I'll, I'll, I'll allow that question. I'll allow that question. This is a version of that story of the op-ed that I've never seen. The one that was published before, the one that, the only one I've ever seen is the one that was published Prior to this, they changed the title because they were in fear of trouble. Well, I'd move to strike that last testimony, Your Honor. Well, I mean. Okay, so a motion or moving to strike is a request to the judge that part of the, pl- the party's pleading or their testimony or a piece of evidence be removed from the record. So anytime you have an objection or you make a motion to strike, that stuff cannot be used against you to conclude whatever the jury and the judge are going to conclude. The part that bothers me is if you have a a jury in the room or a judge in the room and they do hear these things, as much as you want to say to yourself, hey, you can't use that to conclude on whether or not, you know, there was defamation in this case or this person or that person or guilty or innocent. The fact of the matter is these people heard it. And now a judge usually exercises a lot more deference in their decision making and they understand that they cannot use it a lot better than a jury would. Even though the jury is going to get instructions saying, hey, don't use these things. They still heard it, you know, and it's. 
it's frustrating as shit to see all these objections and the sloppiness of this particular lawsuit. And I would tell you, if you haven't heard some of the crazy and outlandish things in it, it, it is it is way bizarre. These people are not healthy and they're certainly not normal. And I'm going to leave you with some, some of the craziest shit I've heard in a long time. Mind you, these two were married for a long time. They, they were together. They clearly both have this weird addiction history and drugs and, and whatever kind of abuse they had going on. I don't know who's guilty, who's not. This is a defamation suit. Remind you, all the abuse allegations are really about defamation in this particular instance. They're not necessarily about proving him criminally guilty. This is solely a defamation suit. It's a $50 million suit. But this is the most shocking shit I have heard in trial in a long time. And and as much as I would like to stick to just being educating on the law and, and telling you, hey, this is how you can protect yourself if you're ever in this situation and giving you some basic phrases to understand, I had to play this on the way out. Because this shit's just fucking bizarre. There, there's no way to, to just explain this to you. So I'm just going to play it. And I want you to know, if you don't understand or you're going, what in the actual fuck afterward? You probably heard it right. Here we go. I had received some news that was as absurd and grotesque and cruel um, and then I was shown a picture of what the problem was it was a photograph of the bed our bed um, and on my side of the bed um, was human fecal matter that's right amber heard literally took a shit on johnny depp's side of the bed took a photo of it and sent it to him at least i'm presuming she's the one who sent it to him somebody sent it to him whatever the case may be what in the actual fuck is going on in that household this is how bizarre it is. This, there's lots of stories like this. This is probably the most outlandish one of the ones that I'd heard as I pr- try to prepare for this conversation and try to prepare for this podcast. But damn, <laughs> wow. I'll tell you right now, I don't, I don't know if, if I could ever continue to date somebody who shit on my side of the bed. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Like I, I, don't, I don't know that I could do that. So kudos to, to them for for maintaining whatever weird ass relationship they had for a very long time. And I hope justice is done for whoever the hell is right or wrong in this set of circumstances. But you, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's out there in the world, if you ever get sued, you've now learned some things that I hope are helpful, that I hope will help you understand litigation as you may hear it arise. And you know, these are the things you should think about and say and do whenever you're in a courtroom setting or in a deposition setting. Yes, No, I do not recall. You do not want to sound like these people do. And they all sound dumb. Don't be dumb. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Higher Standard. I, again, am your host, Chris. I appreciate you guys supporting us. We are the top 1% in the country in podcasts. That number blew me away. Frankly, it's because the barometer is really low to get there, but I'm still proud of it. So thank you all for your support. We will catch you next week with another one of our amazing guests. Talk soon. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. 
Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.